I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I'm talking to Fran Katsudis, Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer of Cisco. Fran, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Romy. It's nice to be here. Fran, you have had an incredible career. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey and what you do now? I'm happy to. So I joined Cisco about two years after graduating from university. Um, So I've I've grown up here, uh, basically. I've been here for 22 years now. I had both of my kids um, here at Cisco. I started off at the company um, as a contact center agent. And so I remember I would take like, oh my goodness, like 80, 90 calls a day talking to customers, helping them with some of their opportunities, challenges, orders, whatever it may be. Um, And it was really funny. I connected with the culture. I connected with the pace of the company. We were growing like crazy. And there were just opportunities to to grow and do different things. And so I, I started there. And almost every 18 months, um, or so, I would move into another area of the company. And I just kept experiencing different parts of the company, which was really amazing. Um, and so I worked in operations. I worked in acquisition integration, which was one of my favorites. I did customer service. I did some technical service. Um, and then there was a point in my career, and it was probably when I was about eight or nine years in, And I knew that I wanted to do something very different. I had loved what I was doing, but there was just something else. And at the time, Romy, I didn't know anything about HR. And so I took a rotation into the HR function. And I started off with this really cool role where I was helping to build um, the HR strategy um, based on the business strategy and where we were going. And then after that, I did a role in operations Um, within HR, which was cool. I started doing client-facing roles. And then a few years later, I was the head of HR for engineering. And I did that role for four years. I loved that. It was really complex. It was exciting. I loved being close to the technology. And then I've been now the chief people officer for about four years. And it's truly a dream job. It's something that I absolutely love, and it keeps me on my toes. It sounds like an incredible journey, and you're so um, well qualified to have the role because you've really seen the inside of kind of every everything in the business. Um, it also sounds like you're really inspired by growth and learning, and and that has really helped propel your success. What what gets your juices flowing? Is it about um, trying something new? You know, you said it, it, it's about learning, actually. And so I remember early in my career, it was learning that I really viewed as the opportunity. And so I would look at roles um, not as, okay, this is the job. I would look at it from the perspective of what what can I learn here? And it was really nice that. because it almost, it didn't put as much pressure on individual jobs. Like, I didn't think about jobs. I thought about learning and that guided me, and it was really nice that I had that established because when I made the move into HR, I remember um, I actually passed on a promotion within my um, organization to move to HR, which people thought I was crazy, but 
because I had already built this frame of I'm going to do everything based on what I learn, um, it was kind of an easy decision, as painful as it was. But, yeah, that, that, that guided me quite a bit. I love it. How did you lobby for new opportunities? And how did you make the case, for example, to get into HR when you didn't have a background in it? Yeah, it's funny. So here's something that's really important. I would do that type of lobbying and discussion as I was stepping into a role. And so I would say to a new leader, listen, I'm here to do my my very best. I I would love your feedback. Um, Constructive is almost more welcome. Um, I'm going to focus on these skills. And so that's where a little bit of the learning came into play. And then if I could ask you, like if, if I'm doing a good job and if, if you feel good about my work, like a year to 18 months from now, could you help me then as I move to learn something else? And so it was funny because I contracted early. And one of the things that I realized is when you ask someone if they'll help you with something in a year to a year and a half, what's their answer? Sure. <laughs> right. 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 Why not? Whereas, right. But if you ask someone, hey, I want to interview for this job in two weeks, you may get a different response. And so what I tried to do, um, and and it didn't work as lovely as I wanted to every time, but what I tried to do is make sure that I was working for leaders that wanted to join me on the journey and were supportive of that journey and understood that I was truly in service of the company, the team, and, and, and them as well. So many good lessons there for our listeners, Fran. This is so helpful. So the, the transparency about your your intentions, your ambitions, it's about enlisting help. And I also love that you you were so and continue to be willing to kind of articulate your own ambition. I think a lot of women are, are uncomfortable with that. Yeah, you know, it, it's not the easiest thing. And I never did the ambition based on role because I, I think you have to be careful with how folks respond to that. For me, the ambition wasn't about a role other than a few times. Um, and a few times in 22 years is kind of fascinating. Um, so I made the ambition around skills and learning and impact. This is great advice. So tell me, you were talking about finding the right manager. How do you know? What do you look for in a manager? How did you know what a good manager was? And for our listeners who are managers, what what advice do you have to them about how to be a great manager? Isn't it, like, really funny? Because I think um, people that work for really good managers, I think they market their managers all the time. I've always seen this where I'll be talking to someone and, you know, they would say something like, oh, my gosh, I work for Kelly. Isn't she amazing? You know, and so there are things like that that I would always pay attention to. You can tell when people love their manager, yeah. You you can, and when they don't, they're quiet. And then I think Uh that's a sign. And and you you have to be thoughtful. You know, I believe in this this future of work that we're moving to. Um, The best leaders will get the best talent. And organizational leaders will have to understand when there isn't movement, especially into a group, that that's that's a red flag. Um, At Cisco, we're investing a lot right now with our leaders, and uh, the biggest thing that we're telling them is really know your people and authentically know them. And what we mean by that is we want every leader to understand the strengths of every person at the table. 
we're training leaders to look for difference. And this is something that I have to say gets me so excited because once upon a time, we were trying to get everyone to the same place. And at Cisco, what we're doing now is basically saying, understand what's unique and differentiated about each person. And it could be their background. It could be their experiences. It's always something about their strengths. Um, and so that's something that we look at. The other things that we look at is we really want our leaders to create an environment of safety and trust yes. and to yeah. uh, create clarity on um, how we're going to win together. What are we in service yes. of? And so those are, those are three things that we're really focused on. I love that. And this idea that you're looking for what's different in people immediately creates a sense of inclusion and, and team-based working. I love that. So uh, on Fairy Godboss, I'm happy to say that Cisco has been rated by your employees as a top company for women. What, okay. what do you think that you're doing that makes it so? Well, the first thing that I would say is we are working really hard to be a good company for all. Um, and that's something that's so important for us. Something that I find that I think is um, sad and fascinating at the same time, which is um, today when we talk about diversity, um, many people look at it from the viewpoint of winners and losers. And so any group that the spotlight is on, they are the winners, and everyone else, you know, they are the losers. So true. And, and I think so true. we have to get to a place where we basically say, hey, we want to be a place for all, and, and that's women and men and the full spectrum um, of diversity as well. So I, I think some of the things that we're doing, um, one, we are really focused on ensuring that our people have the careers that they want to have. Something that I talk a lot about is choose your own adventure. And at the various stages like of what you all of our lives. Yes, exactly, exactly. But you choose that adventure, and it's okay to have different adventures. Um, we are also working very, very hard so that all parents feel like um, the benefits and the offerings here at Cisco are differentiated and help them to be their absolute best. Um, some of the things that were, oh, such a godsend to me were like our on-site clinic, um, our daycare facility, um, we have a program um, where it's emergency drop-off. And so if you just have a last-minute situation come up, you can call that morning and, and drop, you know, for me, it was always, you know, my kids off. Um, a lifesaver. I've used oh, that, too. Oh, it's such a lifesaver. Oh, it's terrible when you would just have those situations where all of your coverage <laughs> would, like, disappear on a day. And so there's just things that we're doing to make the experience the best that it can be and to ensure that while people are here, they just feel fulfilled and passionate about what they're doing. Yeah, and I think it means the world, too, to employees when they work for a company that realizes that people are people also and have outside responsibilities and outside pursuits and passions and all those things. That sounds incredible. So how do you... You have had a huge career. How do you think about work-life balance in your own life? How do you make time for your family and things outside of work that are important to you? Well, it's, it's hard. And, and it's funny because I'm sure you hear this all the time. I think there's a lot of us that go, oh, gosh, that work-life balance term. Um, because I think what we know is there's life. And we want to show up to the elements of our life in the most present and impactful ways. And so 
Um, it's, it's challenging, and I think for all of us, we all have, regardless of role or level or title, we all have very demanding jobs. And so um, I think being deliberate um, is really important. You know, some of the things that maybe I can share that were helpful to me. Um, I would ask my kids at dinner, like, I don't know, every few months, like, okay, guys, you know, how are we doing? Um, do you see enough of us? Do, do you, oh, you know, man, do I love that. That, you know, getting a performance review from the kids. <laughs> that's, that's what I felt. I felt like I was getting a performance review at dinner. Um, and and they would tell me, they'd be like, no, it, it's good. Like, you're, you know, it's really good. Or I think because I would ask the question, they'd also tell me when it's too much. And my husband does too, which I really, really appreciate. Um, there are times that I will say no to work things, and that's not easy for me. I, I think um, I'm, I'm someone that's so really hard. Loves, yeah, I know. I, and it's, sometimes you have to say good, you have to say no to good things. Um, you know, a dinner that you'd love to go to. Um, well, I said no. You love your work. You love your people at work also, and you want to support them. Yeah, and, and so, but but you have to be okay with that. And so, I would say the way that I balance. Um, my life is that I'm constantly looking at what's most important. And, and some weeks, the most important thing that I can do is be home for dinner each night, or the most important thing I can do is help with homework or go to a parent-teacher conference or take a business trip. And so um, I don't assess myself on a day-to-day basis because I think sometimes I give myself a really bad score. But I just know that there's, there's – um, a balance, and if I have a really intense work week, I'm going to work really hard the next week um, to have better balance. And I, I try to surround myself with people um, that have insights that are going through the same thing, so that we can support one another in that as well. I love it. The tribe really makes a difference. I also <laughs> have to say, my son just started having homework, and I feel like it's like I have homework now too. It's this whole other thing I have to manage at home. So I really oh my god, I hate too. homework. Homework is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. It's like a third thing. Exactly, and I think I have a lot of it ahead of me since we're just in first grade. <laughs> Could you tell us? Would you be comfortable telling us about a mistake you've made, and what did you learn from it? So I make a lot of mistakes. Um, I make mistakes all the time. Um, in fact, like for folks around me, you'll hear me say my bad <laughs> like all the time. Um, and uh, there are mistakes that I make because sometimes I'm running so fast and uh, I'm always careful. If I see that I'm doing that too often, it's a little bit of a signal, like you better slow down. And so what that would look like is something like, um, getting the sequencing of my communication off. So surprising someone with something that they, they should have known. Um, and I'm just running so fast that, um, you know, it got out of order. And in those cases, what I do is I, I take accountability quickly. Um, and then there have been mistakes that are bigger. Um, one that has always stayed with me was I was working on this project, and it was really fascinating because every week the project was showing um, progress. And I could show like, hey, quality is improving like, you know, 3% and productivity. And so every week it was directionally right. But the big mistake that I made was I didn't step back and ask the question, are we going to get there? And the truth of the matter was the 2% improvement week over week, it was going to take until like 2025 to get there, right? 
But I was mm-hmm. so focused on the week by week or the detail that I didn't step back. And that mistake, it kind of scared me that I put myself in that position. And so from that, I started to just think, okay, always ask the, the real questions around how are we doing. Um, don't get enamored by the 2% increase if really we're not going to get to where we're going. And so that was one that I think about from time to time. Wow, great lessons in both of those. I think, you know, in the first first step, you know, doing we're all doing too much, and especially women are so disinclined to say, no, we don't want to let anybody down, so we just add on and add on and add on. And I, I feel the same with it, that I've, I've caught my, myself making mistakes when I'm trying to do too much. And on the second one, um, there's such good learning in that because it's not necessarily about what you've accomplished. It's about um, <laughs> where are you trying to go? And it, it's so deceiving when you feel like you've checked everything off your to-do list. So thank you for yeah, sharing that. Those are helpful. Of course. Of course. And I, um, I've learned to – I think this is really important. Not only do I take accountability, but – I've also learned to just be a little bit kinder to myself because I think sometimes we, especially as women, um, we can be so hard on ourselves. And so we make a mistake so and then we're beating ourselves up about the mistake. And so something that I think I've become pretty good at is just saying, okay, Fran, like, be careful. Like, don't, like, try not to do that again and let yeah. it go. Like, and don't just beat yourself up about it as well. It's, that is such a discipline. It's hard to do. And, uh, but it is, you're absolutely right. We all have to be kinder to ourselves. All right. So I'm going to ask you some fun questions now, our Fast Five. Fran, could you tell us what is your favorite karaoke song? <laughs> okay. So I have to tell you, I have a horrible singing voice, um, like really Doesn't bad. Matter. Now, the most, the most amazing thing is my daughter has a beautiful voice, and she didn't get it from me, and she didn't get it from my husband. No offense to my husband. He will not probably listen <laughs> to this podcast, but um, – but when I uh, decide to go there and punish people, it's probably Dancing Queen by ABBA, which is really embarrassing. Oh, that is a, such a crowd pleaser. Everybody feels good when they hear Dancing Queen. Uh, what is your favorite way to exercise, your mind or your body? Uh, so body is probably walking. I'm doing a little bit of jogging at the moment. I just, um, I'm doing the couch to 5K thing right now. It, it's a... Uh, it's a really great app. So I'm I'm running a 5K at the moment, which I'm thrilled about. Um, and then um, from a mind perspective, you know, it's really funny. But um, when I can, just going to the beach, watching the waves, um, just allows me to yeah. kind of pause yeah. and exercise my mind a bit as well. Calming. It's really powerful. Uh, and yeah. you talk about something like forgiving ourselves or accepting our mistakes and moving on. And uh, it's it's helpful when you spend time doing that, for sure. Who is one person, dead or alive, that you would like to have dinner with? <laughs> oh, gosh, can I break the rules and say more than one? <laughs> Please, yes. You can have a okay. dinner party. Okay, so I would do a dinner party with, like, really compelling, strong women, right? And mm-hmm. so, like... I have, like, the Cleopatra thing going, probably, like, Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, I'd have my grandmother there because she was an incredibly Aww. strong woman. Um, and who knows, maybe a few others, but that would be a great dinner party. I love it. I would like to join you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you. What book has had a great impact on your life? 
You know, it's um, it's hard for me to say one book. Um, when I was growing up, I would just read books nonstop. I almost felt like I would inhale them, um, and it was just something that I loved doing. Um, and today I read as well. Um, it probably doesn't have that same impact because I just have so much going on. I don't know if there's one. At the moment I'm reading a book called The Storytelling Edge, and it's a story, It's a book about storytelling and how storytelling drives empathy. And um, right now at work, we're doing a lot of cool efforts around having our employees tell their stories. And, and what's really amazing is that they're telling stories that I don't think we would have ever told in a workplace before. And so this is a little bit of how you bring your full self to work. And so I'm reading that, which is great. I'm reading a book called Sapiens, which is fascinating. And then there's a draft of a book that I'm reading um, by Ashley Goodall, who is part of my team, and Marcus Buckingham, which is Nine Lies About Work. And that will be coming out in the spring. Sounds fantastic. And all nonfiction. Very interesting. But I love (laughs) that you're a voracious reader. Um, Okay. So at Fairy God Boss, we have found that women do not brag enough about their own accomplishments, sort of like the, the inverse to women don't let their women are so hard on themselves and don't forgive their mistakes. We also don't brag enough. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to brag for us right now. Okay. Um, okay. My first brag. Um, I have two really amazing children. They are good, kind people. They're both teenagers, so every now and then they're not, but most of the time they're just really good and they're caring and kind. Um, And that's something that makes me happy. Um, I I can make a wicked, wicked cheese plate. I'm really good at making (laughs) cheese plates. (laughs) That's all I'm really good at eating cheese plates. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really good at that as well. Um, And then from from a Cisco perspective, something that I was really excited to be a part of, two things actually. So the first is um, together with our board of directors, I played a leadership role in our CEO succession process mm-hmm. and, um, and then also played a role in helping Chuck Robbins build his leadership team. And uh, those are things that were just amazing bodies of work, and um, I'm really proud of the leadership team that we have here, which is exciting. And I heard there's something pretty special about that team. Is there something that you do that's unusual? (laughs) Well, I think what you probably heard, um, we're just an incredibly diverse team. So we're 50% women. um, Wow. And then I think we also just represent full-spectrum diversity, which is really nice. And I think it's a team that really sees one another's strengths. We laugh a lot when we're together, which I think is good because, um, as you would imagine, all leadership teams, you're, you're working on tough things, and if they weren't tough, the you wouldn't be talking hard. about them. That's right. And so uh, it's a great team, but I, I think it's the diversity that you're pointing to. Yeah, well, I love that. And I think it's a story, to your point about storytelling, we got to tell this story because when you show how successful diverse teams are, it leads to more companies engaging diverse teams and building diverse teams. So thank you for telling us about that. Of course. Um, so to close, I'd love to ask you, on behalf of our audience, what is the one piece of career advice you would want to give to our audience? We have a bunch of very ambitious, talented women listening. What is the one piece of advice you think they should take away? 
But one piece of advice that I would give is you have to ask. And um, I think many times we hesitate. And the ask, by the way, could be anything. The ask could be to shadow. It could be a project. It could be support from a career perspective in 18 months. Um, It could be for feedback. But I feel like you just have to put yourself out there. I think you also have to pick the right moment. And um, so you, you have to find that moment where perhaps the guard is down. It's a great moment where you're connecting, and then you, you just have to put yourself out there and um, ask for what you want. That is phenomenal advice, Fran. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time here with us today and for all the great advice you've given us. And it's been incredible to hear about your career. So impressive and inspirational. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Romy. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.